Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. The podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this episode is different because we are still recording during the COVID-19 pandemic while physically distancing, which means we are not in the same room and using our professional audio equipment. So the audio sounds uh, might be a little bit different than what you're used to, but we are all doing the best we can with what we have. And I am super duper excited uh, about our guest here with me today. Emma Seligman, she, they, is a Canadian filmmaker. Her first film, Shiva Baby, starring Rachel Sennett, Polly Draper, Diana Agron, Molly Gordon, Fred Melamed, and Danny DeFerrari, was selected to screen at South by Southwest Film Festival, Toronto International Film Festival, and Outfest LA. It has, re- <clears throat> excuse me, it has received numerous accolades, including Best Screenwriting at Outfest LA, Best Narrative Feature at Indie Memphis Film Festival, and it was a New York Times critics pick. It was released in select theaters and video on demand on April 2nd and can now be watched on HBO. In 2020, Emma was named one of Variety's 10 screenwriters to watch and one of Filmmaker Mag's 25 New Faces of Independent Film. Emma, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's my pleasure. Besides the sirens going on, hopefully that's not too distracting to you. How how are you doing? What's going on? I'm doing well today. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm um, hanging in there. Um, you and you're not in New York anymore. I think I read somewhere that you moved to LA. Is that true? I, I did. I did. I'm so I'm in LA right now. How is yeah. LA treating you? <laughs> so not... You what? <laughs> As I say with some sadness. Yeah. What, what were you going to say? Just, uh, yeah. What brought you, what, what kind of sparked the move from New York to LA? Um, I was living in Toronto for the first year of the pandemic, March to March. And I think I just wanted some, originally I was just going to come here for a trip um, to leave, uh, to leave Canada and leave my parents. And I was going to go back to New York, but I think because I was, in such a cold climate um, and unable to sort see my friends because we didn't have testing the way that um, the way that we do here in the States. I, I wasn't, it was just so much inside in darkness. And I, I think I just wanted the opposite of that. And I wanted to change. Um, And a lot of my friends are here. Um, So yeah, it was impulsive, I I think, (laughs) but I'm really serotonin um I think as someone who's quite neurotic and uh, has a pessimistic attitude a lot of the time it it does me well it's it's it serves me so I'm happy about it but it's an adjustment for sure (laughs) what do you miss the most about New York and what do you miss the most about Canada 
Um, I miss the energy of New York and I miss um, how easy it is to socialize. I'm such an introvert. And I think that I, in New York, took it for, took for granted that I was dragged out so much of the time. Um, and it was just so easy for me to see other human beings. And here you have to really go out of your way if you're an introvert to like make a plan. (laughs) Um, so I miss, I miss that, like just the social aspects of New York. And then I think, um, I miss, well, I miss my family and my dogs and my friends in Toronto. I got really close with all of them in, in COVID the way I think a lot of people did with the people, their bubbles that they got to see, Mm -hmm. um, in this past year and a half. So yeah, that's pretty easy, but I'm going to see them soon. I'm going back home now that Canada's borders are open. So, Oh, that's good. I'm excited for you. Do you drive? No. <laughs> yeah, so that, that probably makes LA that much harder. Yeah, it does. Um, I keep saying I'm going to learn, but you know, when you keep saying eventually, like it's probably not going to happen. So I don't know. I, I do think it's a, I do think I should get it for a sense of accomplishment, like my license. Um, But yeah, no, I don't drive. So um, it's been interesting. But there's like a handful of people who don't drive here because of Uber. So, you know, I'm not alone, but it it, it does make life difficult for sure. Yeah, it's probably the same four of you in Uber pools every day. I'm just like, (laughs) well, (laughs) it's the four of us who don't drive. Here we are. Um, (laughs) Um, all right. So also now this is, might sound creepy and I don't mean for it to be, but upon sleuthing to, to gather information for this interview, I, I think we might have been neighbors in, did you live in Brooklyn? Maybe on Troutman? I did. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Wow. You really, how did you find my address? That's well, it's- that wasn't my Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to defend myself a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, It's not your exact address. So I just know the general area. Uh, There was a post about like Uh with you and a a former roommate, like missing Troutman. That's all. Ah, got it, got it. I was more worried for a second that my quasi address was listed online that was never my address but mm. I that's the address of my two producers Katie Schiller and Karen Altman and I crashed on that couch many times for like different bad roommate living situation occurrences that I just had super bad luck so there were multiple times when I was on the couch for a month um uh so so I consider it like mom and dad's home like my second mom and dad's home so Mm -hmm. but I technically never had a residence in my name on Troutman but uh were you were you on Troutman uh my the first like nine months of living in New York I lived on Troutman and now I live um off Bushwick Avenue a little bit closer to the city so got it okay very cool I'm familiar with the area still get my hair cut on Troutman at Maxwell's fur hair. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> just plug plug them for a minute. Um, okay, so we all have mm-hmm. multiple coming out stories, multiple coming into ourselves stories, uh, and I'd love to hear one of yours. Um, sure. Um, that's a 
That's like a, the floor is open. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I have pretty like liberal quote unquote Jewish parents. And I, I, I came out to my mom telling her, I thought, I think I like girls in addition to boys. And she said, well, like, that makes sense. Like everyone in your generation does that. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, and she was saying, I was like, I think I'm bisexual. And she was like, that's great. I think you should experiment. And like that, you know, so that was sort of her initial response, which was pretty positive. You know, I, I at the time, I don't think I took, I really, it really, I don't think I took into account that she wasn't understanding what I was saying, but it, I felt just so relieved. It was like a positive response. And then my dad, um, I came out to, I think pretty soon after that, and he was shocked and that was like harder for him to take in. But after like a few moments, he just said like, I accept you and I love you. And I was such a brat and was in my sort of phase of like just testing my parents and saying shit to like rattle them up that I was like, well, I don't really care if you accept me, but I'm just like giving you a heads up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Those are my two initial coming out moments. But I mean, I feel so lucky that, um, they, but I, I have such accepting and loving parents and I feel like you don't often see coming out stories that are positive. And I think I was so afraid to come out to my parents because you see so many depictions of really, really negative responses to coming out, which shouldn't, you know, like a, it's, those exist. So it's like important to know that. Um, but I just never, I never had a love Simon growing up. You know what I mean? Like I never saw the parents being like, that's great. Um, so I was scared, but my, my parents, I count myself so lucky. They're really accepting. It's been a journey for them to understand what bisexuality means. That's where the difficulty has come um, and sort of dispelling myths. But yeah, those were the two most significant coming outs and no one else cared. Everyone else was like, whatever, you know what I mean? I never came out to anybody else. It was just sort of like I dated girls and guys and people knew that. So Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Can I ask, can I ask some follow-up questions? Absolutely. Um, how, how old were you when you're having these conversations with your parents? I was 19. I came out when I was like 19, 20. Yeah. And what kind of like sparked that those conversations? Like, okay, now's the time. Was there something that was going on or I, and that was the time when I really like, just like realized it. I mean, if I looked back in time, there were many signs um, that were pointing toward me being queer, but I really don't think I understood what, I don't think I understood what bisexual meant. And I thought, I think someone at some point told me that didn't exist or like, I just had so many people like like I there just there were like times I think just even like separate from trying to understand myself where I was just like a curious kid and I like I remember I was like oh did you know mom like Angelina Jolie's bisexual and she was like that's great but like she's not because she's with Brad Pitt so she's straight now and and I was like I don't think so and even as like a little kid I feel like just like everyone 
the generations as they continue like have more of an instinct of like that doesn't make sense and I think that someone once told me that you know like I didn't that you would have to be dating both men and women at the same time in order to be bi and so being bi meant being poly or, or being open and so I just didn't understand what it meant so it really took me a while to figure it out um and by the time I was 19 I remember like knowing so many more bisexual people in liberal arts school um <laughs> where where you go to come out um and I it was I was seeing a girl and it was like the first time that I had like butterflies for a girl that I like really liked her as opposed to it just being like something physical um so I think I just told them as soon as I like knew you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um it wasn't ever something I kept inside because I was pretty sure they were going to be chill about it um well I'm glad that they you know it was like a mostly accepting except for that little bit with your dad um experience for you (laughs) um what what were some of the signs you said looking back you're like oh yeah there were some signs what were those um I well it's funny I I feel like I realized them going backwards like I like I'm like I made out with my friend for a long time and I we almost I think hooked up but she vomited (laughs) (laughs) really um drunk um and then I think about um when I saw Jennifer's body I was 13 and I remember when Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried kiss I was feeling things um (laughs) that was a moment in time for me that I definitely remember um and that like scared me because I was like am I gay like I was so confused like um and before that this really only came back to me like within a couple like maybe two or three years ago or or less um when I was like eight or maybe yeah I think when I was like eight or nine um I like I I like like I think at a sleepover like I like kissed a girl and like totally blacked that out because her and I never talked again we like weren't close friends to begin with it was like our first and only play date (laughs) (laughs) um and I it was like the sort of like kid version of you know when you have no idea what you're doing and kids are like really just doing things that they think they see in movies and stuff um and yeah, so I totally blacked that out until recently. <laughs> and mm. was like, wow, that, that was pretty young. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could also look back at all those things and be like, I was just a kid. Experience, you know what I mean? Like, just feel like, feeling. I wasn't friends with boys. So, like, I was doing kid things with my friends. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I also, yeah, there was just, like, little moments like that. So, I don't know. I think yeah. the Jennifer's body one was, was real. The other ones were like, I was, I, I arguably could have just been having fun with my friends, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But yeah. Yeah. I think making out for an extended period of time, almost hooking up is a borderline <laughs> borderline. I don't know if that's <laughs> just, <laughs> um, I remember. No, that's borderline. And I'm older. I was much older when, I mean, I was like 16. So that wasn't like, 
me I was I knew what was happening you know what I mean um so yeah (laughs) yeah um what what does bisexual mean to you I know lots of different people have lots of different ways of identifying with that word what is it what does it mean to you that's that's a big question I think in in simplicity it just means sexual fluidity it just means I'm attracted to everybody and I have the I think have the ability to um be physically attracted and romantically attracted to any kind of gender. Um, I think that, I think that it also feels like, um, you know, I, I, I choose to say bisexual and not pansexual or queer, I think because once I discovered the word, I felt such an attachment to it. And also I feel like the word itself has so that's the word that's attached to all those myths and like you know sort of like associations with being like ultra promiscuous and things like that and I feel like oh having the owning the word kind of feels powerful to me and sort of a a a word that has so grown through so many different um uh interpretations of it by other people um so yeah, that's what it means to me. I love that. I um, I have not heard. I've heard like the first part of the definition that you gave, but not the second part of um, how it's um, associated with these, you know, with being promiscuous. And it's almost like you're, it's almost like a, a reclamation of the word or it's like uh, uh, you're almost queering the word bisexual, um, if I may. <laughs> um, uh and I love that. I love that so much. Um, and also just like that you brought in the idea of feeling attached to the word. Um, I know for like, for me, I, when I first came out, I was still thinking that I was a woman because that's what everyone was telling me. And so I came out as a lesbian and like that word, I never felt an attachment to. So I grew very fond of the word gay. Um, and then when I came out as trans, well, I, I came out as genderqueer first and then took me years to mm-hmm. understand and own the word transgender. I didn't know that I could do that. Um, and yeah. I still use the word gay because it's because it I have such an attachment to it. It's like, if we're going to get technical yeah. about definitions, am I gay? Actually, still, yes. But like, you know, I think other people would think <laughs> no. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally an umbrella term for a lot of people, the way queer is, um, which is fun. Um, Sometimes it is for me, but rarely. Yeah. But I love that. It's, it's such a, it is a, um, it's nice. You have the attachment. You still use it. Even if it's sometimes it doesn't like for other people, it doesn't technically make sense to them, but it does. That's that's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. I um I had on my website for a long time a list of the t- of my identity terms and then I was like if you don't know what any of these mean or why I use them email me and one person took me up on it and was <laughs> like explain all of the terms and why you use them and why do you use gay and I was I took that off my website I was like I don't need to invite this more but it's like it is it's like and yeah. and, and this person was very sweet and like genuinely was curious but um I think for people who aren't I do identity education all day, every day at Keshet. And so 
I'm steeped in this. And then I think for other people, it's sometimes it might be hard to understand the nuance, especially if you're not part of the LGBTQ community. And also sometimes if you are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's really, I mean, I'm very, um, it's, it's, I'm impressed and, um, you know, it's admirable you do that because I get so exhausted trying to explain literally anything. And I feel like I only, I only hold one queer identity. Do you know what I mean? Like there, Mm -hmm. that's, and it's, I don't really ever have to explain. you know even just explaining my friends genders and stuff like not to people who like think anything uh, negatively about it but just like the like it's it's difficult the lack of understanding is is I find exhausting and I barely have to do it so that's (laughs) very um that's very um that that you spend your that you even had that on your website to begin with thank you yeah, well, I don't anymore, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it is, um, it can be exhausting for sure too. I think I'm actually talk about this in therapy all the time of like spending 40 plus hours a week at my day job, educating and holding space and being patient um, and professional, educating folks about identities and a lot of the identities I hold, and then also just navigating the world as a trans person, as a genderqueer person, and like the education that comes with that, um, it is exhausting. <laughs> but I find for me, there are moments where it feels worth it. And so that's why I keep doing it. Totally. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's talk about Shiva Baby. I loved this movie so much and um, I just, I want to know everything about it. What was, what was your inspiration for Shiva Baby? And actually to back up, do you mind giving a little synopsis of what Shiva Baby is? Sure. Um, Well, thank you. Um, It's Shiva Baby is about a young woman in college, Danielle, who's about to graduate and she attends a shiva with her family with her parents um and runs into her ex-girlfriend but then she also runs into her sugar daddy and then his wife and his baby and I would say chaos ensues and it takes place in a day um that's that's sort of it (laughs) that's pretty much uh yeah um what what in, what was the inspiration for that? Well, I made it first as a short film. So the idea started much smaller. Um, and I was really just because I made it in school and it was my final project. I really just wanted to make something on a practical level that I could use maybe as a proof of concept for a feature and that could just be something I'm in a world I understood. I think like it was the first time I ever shot a short that had like dialogue and that I had to record and stuff. So I was like, just trying to take as many challenges as I could off the table and setting it in a community at an event that I'm so familiar with just made that part really easy. And I think I chose a Shiva just because I found that within my reform Ashkenazi community, like Shiva's felt like any other family event, which I just thought was funny always. Like 
that it was just the same conversation topics and same nosiness and bragging and, and love and eating, um, as like any, any other, um, like holiday or event where someone wasn't, um, deceased. Um, so, uh, I just thought that was funny. And I think that, I don't know, I just, I really chose it. I think randomly, like I, a lot of my friends were sugar babies and I was like, Oh, what's something fun. And like, just the opposite of a shiva, you know what I mean? Um, the opposite of a, a family sort of formal gathering. Um, and I just like, was like, that'd be funny if she ran into her sugar daddy there. And, um, it just sort of came out of that. I think that later I realized like how much of myself I was putting into it and how much I sort of felt pressures from my sex life and, and invalidation and, and wanting male acceptance and, and, you know, wanting, wanting sort of holding on to my sexual power, quote unquote, because I didn't feel power otherwise. Um, but then also pressures from like my family and graduating, which like, you know, all of this stuff, everybody feels it's not like particularly uh, specific to me or to Danielle. Um, but I don't think when I was making the short film, I was really like aware of that. And then when I was making the feature, I was like trying to draw upon all of those sort of feelings I was having, um, you know, that were just sort of getting worse and worse and compounding on me, like as graduation approached and, you know, I was like facing the real world. Um, and my parents never specifically, like, you know, I'm not trying to come for them because they, they actually are very like atypical for Jewish parents and that they never put pressure on me in the way of being like, you need to find a job and you need to do this. I mean, they sent me to art school and I'm from Canada and NYU like film school was like four, 400 times the price of like a Canadian school. So, you know, they made that decision to support me when they did that. Um, but I think I just felt the pressure to make something of that degree and make something of the money spent because I felt like if I didn't, then that was a waste of their investment in me. Um, anyway, so I was just feeling all those pressures and I think I just wanted to create an anxiety attack because, you know, being inside the head of a young person, but I, I think, excuse me, especially for me, just, I think as a young woman, it feels like, I'm like, does everyone feel this way? Like, does everyone feel like we're in a horror movie and like, you're just putting on a happy face like all the time. So that's where the inspiration came from, I think, for both versions of it. Nice. Um, I was <clears throat> reading and listening to some previous interviews that you've done, and someone said a symphony in the key of anxiety. And I love that because it truly was. Uh, so I was like on the edge <laughs> of my seat. And afterwards, like I went with Adam, Eli and some other friends. And I just yeah. was like, you know, Adam was like, what, what do you think? I was like, I'm so anxious. I don't know. I was just like, it totally <laughs> was like very relatable um, in that way of um, I definitely <laughs> felt, I think a lot of times in a lot of other interviews, I've heard the word claustrophobic being used. Um, and it um, certainly has that feel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's it, so, I mean, yeah. I was so I was so happy to see Adam and you and and your other friends going as a group of like, but like Adam saying that like he took of course he took like a group of uh, his his queer Jewish friends to see the movie and it was just so cute to see and um, that mean we were really happy yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was spectacular um, 
So I have a bunch of like other questions. So I don't have to preface it with, of course I do. I'm interviewing you. Um, so what is the, <laughs> what is the feedback then? Um, Cause I was, I was taken aback in the best way possible. I admittedly didn't know what I was coming into. I had not heard, uh, I'd only heard of it in passing one other time. And so I didn't know what, what it was. And so um was thrilled to see a queer uh you know bisexual character in the movie um but also a sex worker and like when i think of a jewish scene or a jewish storyline or narrative sex working is not part of that and so <laughs> what what so i'm so glad it exists now um what what has if at any like feedback have you gotten from the jewish community from people who've watched this movie I'm just so interested to know that. I mean, honestly, I've been really surprised by the, like, lack of, like, um, sort of, I don't know, uh, lack of negativity or lack of, like, uh, bad responses. I'm trying to be more articulate, but the lack of criticism or Mm -hmm. or sort of, like, uh, problematic questioning about that element of the movie like even from some of my most conservative like family members like everyone no one's no one ever says anything about that if anything they're just like I get it loans like it's it's just like (laughs) okay (laughs) um it's been funny yeah I think that people are fascinated by the sugar baby people of an older generation or even like 10 years, 15 years older than me, like did not have seeking arrangement on their phones at their disposal when they were in college. And it's a, it's a fascinating, I mean, I find it fascinating, but, but people who are older and like have known nothing about the world find it really fascinating. So I don't know if that is part of the reason why they're like, like certain people in my, my, like, you know, my Jewish community are accepting and, and interested in that element of her character. Um, you know, like, I think every now and then I've gotten a question of like, you know, even less about Danielle, like, I think more like, just more about sugaring and like, you know, what it means within the realm of sex work. And like, it, it, it just questions that I'm like, oh, wow, people, there's some people don't know anything. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my god like we are we are behind um and some of the words like you know like when people say hooker and prostitute I'm like let's take a step back um but other than that it's been I think especially from like the women in my Jewish community I think there's like a deep understanding of where Danielle is at in her life and the I think the understanding of like why she does it in particular which is not a common or universal reason why one chooses to um, be a sex worker because for her it's not about money um, because she's quite privileged I think that understanding that sort of emotional place she's at is something that at least um, like Jewish women I think can relate to I mean like my mom has never been like you know negative about sex work but I don't I, I've never considered her the mo- mo- most like supportive of it at the same time and I remember when I finished the movie with my sister and my mom and my dad my sister was like this isn't about sex work necessarily but my sister was like so why did she go up to the bathroom to like give him a blowjob and my mom was like because she's fucked up 
because sex is the only thing she has. And, and so I think that, I don't know, it's been, it's been very warmly and positively received and no one's come at me and been like, I have no idea why she does it. Like, or what, why, like, is she a sex worker? And I don't like that. And why did you have to make her a sex worker? Like, I haven't gotten any of that. So I don't know what's being said behind closed doors, but mm. I don't know. It's definitely not something that's gotten in the way of people enjoying it within, within that community. So yeah, or, or, or speaking positively about it. I feel shocked by that because I feel like just, I guess maybe in the Jewish communities that I grew up in, um, I would imagine, you know, I always like to try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I feel like a lot of times I'm, it bites me in the tush. So I don't know. I would, I'm curious what, <laughs> what I'm curious what the communities where I grew up in Columbus, Ohio would think. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think there's a difference between them enjoying the movie and not asking me, like, why did you make her a sex worker, blah, blah, blah. I think there's a difference between that and, like, it's them wanting sex work decriminalized. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. That. But yeah. they certainly accept and understand and, you know, like her character, you know. Uh, so I think that's, that's one, that's something, but I wouldn't say that that's them thinking, yeah, sex work should be decriminalized or like supporting sex workers' rights. Like, I don't think I would see them, you know, uh, protesting for <laughs> in, right. in support of sex workers' rights. Um, yeah, I think that's quite a leap, but, but yeah, I haven't gotten any negativity in terms of what I've heard, what's come back to me. I'm so happy. And I'm glad that you made that distinction <laughs> between enjoying the film and being an activist. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I know that you've been asked this in other interviews, but I'm, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask it in mine um, about Rachel Sennett, who plays Danielle is not Jewish, um, but in real life, but plays a Jewish character. And there's so much conversation around authenticity around characters. And, and I'm going to change subjects or not subjects, but thrown an example of you know like trans people should play trans characters and like I'm curious for you to the the nuance and the difference um between the two and if you've gotten any what or if any kind of pushback on the fact that she's playing a Jewish character and also a queer a a bisexual character and she's also not bisexual at least that's what I've read and I don't want to make assumptions about anybody but that's what I've been reading totally um I have gotten pushback on both and I think that I feel, I, I feel different. I, I think this has been a journey in seeing the reaction to the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, my opinion, my opinion about casting her as a Jew has not changed. So I think I'll, I'll say that first. I, it's so, it's like my immediate defensive response wants to be about things that is not answering the question of like whether Jewish actors need to play Jewish characters, because I want to say, well, like this movie wouldn't have been made with Rachel without Rachel. Like she pushed me and and kept me on my goals and listened to me cry at night when I was like, we're not going to raise the money in time. Like this, this movie is, doesn't exist in my head without her. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, 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 that's not answering the question, but that's, (laughs) that's (laughs) one thing. And then, you know, 
where I stand is I, I'm comfortable with non-Jewish characters clearly playing Jewish characters. I like authenticity. I think authenticity is important. I knew Rachel was going to be playing Danielle, and therefore it felt really important to me to try to fill up the rest of the cast with as many Jews as possible. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make it a cop-out answer. I do, I, you know, when I see a movie where none of the characters are being played by Jewish actors and it's a Jewish film or Jewish show, it does, that does upset me um, and, or disappoint me, I should say. So I'm, I'm really like interested in the conversation and I appreciate when that, bothers people or is a disappointment for people to realize she's not Jewish. Um, a lot of people who just follow her stand up, even before Shiva baby assumed she was Jewish. And I don't know if that's just cause she's neurotic and her name's <laughs> Rachel and she's got curly hair, but um, uh, yeah. So that's where I stand on that. And I, I don't want this to sound like a defensive cop out, but I just want to be wary of when this question is asked because, and you're asking it in a totally polite, like, uh, you know, in a way that I really appreciate. So I'm not, you know, I, I'm happy to be like a participant in the conversation for sure. But I just noticed that the criticism and the question is often and the conversation is raised, I will say a lot more when the character and actor are female and not when they're male. Like I've seen Adam Driver play a Jew so many times and I don't hear any conversation about that. Um, but when Rachel Brosnahan was cast with Mrs. Maisel in Mrs. Maisel, I felt like I witnessed an uproar on social media. And I feel like I've even seen things being like, Adam Driver's our favorite, not Jewish Jew. And mm. I'm like, well, like, it just feels really like clear. I don't know. That's, I'm not saying people are criticizing, you know, me or my choices or, or Rachel because she's not Jewish or because she's female, um, I, I do think it, it, it's coming from a place of wanting authenticity and other places and wanting to feel seen. Um, but I just, it's something that frustrates me and I've just noticed more and more. And then I'll say to the queer part, it, I, it's, that's the opinion that I think has changed for me because I feel, I still would like to see more authenticity in like, specifically like, I mean, it goes without saying, I think for me, like seeing trans actors play trans characters. Um, but I think when it comes to sexuality, being bisexual, being gay, being straight, like as an employer, it is illegal for you to ask someone what their sexuality is. And so many people I know fall somewhere on the spectrum and are not, and you said yourself, like, I don't want to make assumptions. So like, you know, that's, like, I think, like, the perfect perspective to come from, because I have so many friends who, like, don't feel comfortable identifying as straight, but also don't comfortable, don't feel comfortable being, like, labeling themselves as bisexual, um, and some of them are public-facing people and have conservative families, and I think when people see that someone hasn't labeled their sexuality, they assume straight, and I just think that's, unfair and I, I think sometimes I just think sometimes it's a little bit of a contradiction because we talk so much about how labels are important but also they, they don't have to be and, and come out when you feel ready to and take your time and don't feel pressure and but then when an actor hasn't identified their sexuality and they're playing a queer person it's there, there's criticism and so 
that is something that I've changed my tune on a little bit because I've seen Rachel and Molly, but especially Rachel be asked time and time and time again, what her sexuality is. And I just think that's a crazy thing to ask someone. And every time she sort of avoids the answer and is like, I don't identify as any, you know, like, and is so polite and sweet about it. But I'm like, I just get angrier and angrier. Like the more I hear that question asked of her. Um, and I, I, I also think that that's, I'm not going to like get super into it, but I feel like now nah, I'll just stop myself there. But that's, so that's how I feel about both of those things. But, you know, the same, but the same thing goes, like, I still understand when someone sees someone in a role that, you know, is, is what they assume to be a straight actor, or if they do identify as straight, um, playing a queer person, and that upsets them. I, I, I empathize, like, I'm not saying that's wrong. Um, but in the context of, of Rachel, it's felt frustrating. Yeah, thank you for, for your really, like, thoughtful responses, and um, really nuanced. And also, I'm, I'm glad that you are raising the points that you are. Um, because let me try to figure out how to say this and if I can and want to say it. Um, I also have been put in situations where or know of things. So, so it's so nebulous, but I uh, I can appreciate the frustration um, around I, I may, and maybe defending is not the right word, but almost kind of defending a friend. Um, around, you know, inappropriate questions or assumptions that are being made and or uh, the public um, not understanding a full story um, and only having a piece of it or, you know, going off of assumptions. And so um, I really relate to that. And um, so I appreciate your like gentle um, reminder and explanation as to why that's problematic um, to, to do that. So just, so thank you for that. I, um, I, I, it feels, and it, 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 it just feels, um, what am I trying to say now? I'm trying to be articulate. Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I think sometimes, and it, it might, it might be an age thing, but for me, I'm, I'm 36 and a half. And so growing up, they're like, like you said, like there wasn't Love, Simon. There weren't these positive representations of really any kind of LGBTQ character. Um, and, and so I was craving anything. I didn't care who played it. I didn't care what it was, as long as it was, I could see what was possible. And hopefully it was in a positive way. Most of the time it wasn't. Um, and I think now I've, I've shifted more of when possible, let's try to like give us, and especially I think for trans people, like giving trans people the opportunity to play roles that are trans people. And and I think the difference between that with gender identity and sexual orientation, I'm curious what you think, is that there's so much more stigma and, and violence against the trans community, because people are thinking that trans women are men in a dress. And so when a cis man is playing a trans woman, we're getting the wrong idea. Like when Jared Leto, I think it was Jared Leto, was it, right? With that whole thing, yeah. um, you know, was accepting all these awards. He is a cis man. And so it's confusing mm-hmm. and it's giving the wrong message. Whereas 
like what you're saying, sexual, sexual, just, I mean, yes, gender identity can also be fluid, but with sexual orientation, I think there's there and everything is so hard because everything I'm saying isn't a definitive thing. Yes, there is violence against uh, people with sexual orientations that are not straight and it's less than whatever. I don't need to get into numbers, but do you kind of see what I'm saying? Like, and so I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. And I'm just trying to like parse it out a little bit of like the difference of wanting to see the different kinds of representation and why. Absolutely. I think it's so much more nuanced. And I think sometimes on social media or just in the conversations, it's so much more like it's made to be so black and white. And I think like, I don't know when I see a lot of people who I know identify as queer or, or, or identify as something other than straight or cis in a movie where that is a community where they're, where they're playing members of that community. Of, of course I get excited. You know what I mean? Like that makes me that it makes me happy to see that, but that doesn't mean I'm disappointed when I don't see that. Um, like I think about, I don't know. I think about like, like I, when watching like happiest season, like I was like, wow, like I really can't think of like another gay female movie star other than Kristen Stewart. And like that, how powerful it feels to watch her play that, play that sexual orientation in a, in a movie when I know that that's who she is also in real life. Like that feels so powerful to me and it feels so specific to our generation that we finally get that. We get like a queer woman who is gorgeous and such a good actor and very famous and on a very public level. There's been wonderful, amazing like lesbian and bisexual female actors for a long time, but to to have one be so bold and out there and I mean, not out there, I mean, just like open and, and be playing that in a movie feels like, so special and I hope she can play like the hot like lesbian like lead in like a million action movies and like do you know what I, mean? I hope that she mm-hmm. can play like that that the stud that she is like I just <laughs> I think that that feels really powerful so it's like it's not I for me it's it there's there's a lot of excitement there when I see authenticity but I'm repeating myself but there isn't necessarily disappointment when I when it's um not clearly labeled if it's authentic or not yeah yeah and I absolutely and I just want to lift up and then we can we can move on just lifting up for anyone listening and if you're not listening you should listen um to not make assumptions about people and just because someone isn't disclosing something to you doesn't mean anything it just means that we are all figuring things out and in some contexts it's safe to, to share things sometimes it's not and a lot of times it's not anyone's business. <laughs> and so um, I'm glad that you also kind of brought up um, like as an employer, especially this is a business that you're in, you can't ask that. <laughs> and so that's a really good point too. Um, and I don't, I've never heard that and I'm glad that you said it. So thanks. <laughs> of course. Thank you for letting me say it. You yeah. You the space to say it. Yeah, absolutely. Um I do. I pulled a quote from um, an interview you did with Harper Bazaar that I was I wanted to ask you about. Um, And it says, I still feel as a bisexual person that I'm still ever so slightly cracking away at the part of me that's like, well, I'll end up with a man. It's like, well, why is that? Why do I think that? And I'm curious if that's still something that you are chipping away at or if you've had any more 
thoughts? <laughs> um, I, I think like what I think about myself and then what I feel in terms of the like, whether whatever I want to call it, the stone in me that I'm chipping away at that blocks my sexuality or like, I think how I like feel and what I think is are, are two different things. And I don't think that I will, I don't think that necessarily at this moment, but I don't feel, I still don't feel seen. Like, I think when I look at like a younger, I mean, I'm not like I, Gen Z isn't that far away from me. I'm born in 95, but like when I look at positive representations of queer women in music, like looking at King Princess and like her, watching her music videos, like I feel like I'm like, <gasps> I'm like, I didn't see this growing up. You know what I mean? And I feel like I'm cracking away at just feeling seen, like feeling like I'm either watching positive or sexy or like uplifting or complicated like queer female stories and when I do that it feels like it's ever so slowly chipping away at what has felt like a huge block especially because I'm you know movies are my first and 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 biggest love in my life and and what I grew up doing all the time is just inhaling stories and narratives and images um uh, as many of us do, you know, you don't have to like be a, a film buff in order to like do to be watching straight people all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But I think that's what's sometimes frustrating about living in such a Puritan, like black and white, right and wrong, um, you know, just sort of polarizing world. I think that's what's sometimes really hard about being bisexual or pansexual or being fluid in any capacity is that you're constantly ping-ponging and you're like, like for so long and even still once in a while, you know, and I know this is so common and, and, you know, by or pan people, you're like, well, what if I'm really like, you like a guy or if I were to like a guy as a woman, you know, especially when I was first figuring out my sexuality, I'd be like, okay, I'm just straight. This is all just me. Like all those times with girls, we're just experimenting and, and I'm underneath it all. I'm just, I'm just straight. And then if I like a girl, I'm like, Oh my God, like, I think I'm just gay and I haven't come out. Like, I just really haven't found my truth. And then I, I, I literally did that. And I, I I still do it sometimes for years. So, you know, I said that in that interview because that was how I was feeling at the time. Mm -hmm. And now I'm feeling the opposite way. You know what I mean? But it'll change probably in a month. That's just how it constantly is. Yeah. 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 And I think, uh, thanks for, thanks for sharing. And I think that like, we are, you keep bringing up this like idea of like living in this binary world, this like polarizing, almost like static place where we're all socialized to, to basically pick one, whether it's a gender identity or a sexual orientation or whatever it might be, pick one. And that's actually not how human nature works in real life, (laughs) like in practice, Um, and something that I have been talking more openly about recently and, and really trying to, um, figure out for myself is that, so from a really, really, really young age, I knew I was like queer in all, in like lots of ways. I didn't have the language to talk about it, but like I saw families and like two adults and I was like, well, my family's going to look different. Like the two adults are going to look different. 
And <laughs> um, so, so I always like was, you know, I was, was socialized and raised and forced to be a girl growing up. And so I was like, okay, so I'm gay and I'm going to marry, I like women, but was like uh, um, forced to like pretend to like boys. Um, and so I like, I socialized myself into like having this, like, not like hate towards men, but like, I like was like doubling down on my queerness of like, no women. And like, you know, of course, leaving out all the other genders. Cause I didn't know about them yet. All of this is to say recently I've started to let myself feel like acknowledge and become aware of attractions to other genders. And it's like, so now I find myself ping-ponging and like, go, not like going back on, but I think that's what people, those are the kind of like the words that people use. Like you're going back or you're like, everything else was like an experiment. Whereas no, I'm just like learning more things about myself and letting myself feel at the moment and nothing is set in stone. So it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. I think it, it continues for me, at least, it's just going to continue, unfortunately, I think, for the rest of my life, because that's how I was socialized. Yeah. And I just hope and I believe that that's changing for younger people. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be super, like, naive and say it doesn't exist anymore. But that's, I think it, those formative years really, you know, sort of, they cement some things in your head. And I think you can constantly be questioning things. And, and like you said, just learning more. Um, but I've had to accept that that's, I'm, I'm just such a perfectionist sometimes. And I just want things to be like figured out and done. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's something that's going to be a journey forever. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's definitely a journey. Life is a journey, not a destination as they say. Um, so I just a few more quick things that I wanted to chat with you about. Um, Mazel tov on 36 under 36. Oh, thank you. You as well. <laughs> thank you. I was so tickled to be part of this cohort with you. It was just so cool. Yeah, it was an awesome group. Um, I feel very honored to be part of it. Yeah, me too. Did you see Jake Cohen's, one of his posts was uh, Britney Spears posted it? No, I didn't <laughs> see that. <Britney laughs> yeah, he had posted a, a like avocado toast video. And she did a whole post on it. Uh-huh. It was very cool. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so, okay. So I, I also read um, in a few different interviews um, that you like Joey Soloway and I like Joey Soloway. And I wanted to just ask you, like, what about Joey's work? Uh, like, are you connected to? And um I know you brought up Transparent too, and that show is really meaningful to me too. Yeah, um, I I don't I would have never made Chippa Baby without Transparent. I think, uh, like, oh my god, like that was the first time. Just on a general level, I saw modern reform Jews just like living their lives, like, and also being Jewish, and it not being a Jewish narrative, but mm-hmm. having Jewish characters going about their world. Um, so that's one thing. And then two, like, ha- like just seeing queer Jews, like so many different kinds, like 
like, I can't describe, like, it makes me want to cry. Just like, that was the first time I saw that. And even just from like a bisexual perspective, like I can't even imagine what it felt like from a trans perspective, but like having Amy Landecker's character be just, it's just like a thing. She's just bi. It's not a conversation. Like it's just, it's, it's not a coming out thing. It's just, it's just there. And that's in the first episode. And it's just like, what? Like I was, it just felt so special. And I, for so many reasons and, you know, even just at the the bare reformed Jew of it all, like I really feel like I, I have a hard time describing sometimes to my um, Gentile friends what being Jewish without being religious means. Or like if I take Yom Kippur off, it, I have to sort of explain how religious I am. You know what I mean? And like, I think for a lot of reformed Jews, we understand that it's like, it, it's just so much more complicated than that. Like tradition and culture and t- are so tied in with the practices. And it, it's like, it, it's just, it's just difficult for, I think other people, because they're not from our world, like to understand like how many different kinds of, how many different levels there are and, I, and, and how you can be Jewish without being like Orthodox. Like, it's not like you are either Larry David or you are like, unorthodox like it's like there's a lot more between and every Jew I've known in my life just be based off the community I come from is a transparent kind of Jew I mean like I grew up in Ashkenazi community now I know way like many more Jews of color but like that's the world I grew up in and that's many worlds of all of my friends now that they grew up in so to see that on screen like it's just I, you know, I just can't describe like how um, validating that feels for other people to see like, no, this is the level of Jewishness that I am, <laughs> that I relate to, like the bagels and like going to Yom Kippur services and like having Passover and like kind of barely knowing the Shabbat prayers. Like, you know, there's just, there's just so much of it that I, um that I relate to. And I think that um, I just, yeah, I just literally wouldn't have made Shiva Baby without it because I think in my head before Transparent, I thought Jewish humor was sh- could only be sticky, could only be like very stereotypical, like you know, also like like if it was going to be religious, it had to be like very very sticky, or it was just totally like atheist, and I think that that's just because that's all I'd seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and- transparent change the game and then of course like as seasons progress like there's so many other elements you relate to in terms of under the umbrella of their jewishness like the inherited trauma yeah and just generational and like and uh so many other and conversations about zionism like i think that um it, it just deepened and like of course it's not a perfect show but it's like again it goes into the binary things of like the like perfect or horrible and like we know a lot more now than we did before um you know specifically with Jeffrey Tambor and like it's it doesn't I don't know I just don't think it's it really isn't I don't think as simple as like it's bad or good and I know a lot of people don't like it and everyone can have their own opinion but that show means a lot to me and, and and my work yeah yeah. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that show means everything to me too. I 
it was very similar to what you were saying around like seeing Judaism portrayed in that way. And um, I think um, for me as a trans person, like encouraging my family to watch this and, and, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to explain to them, you know, like my, a lot of what, you know, Maura's character is going through is what I've felt is what I think. And like trying to, and then to, but to have that Jewish lens, it's, um, it's like a validation, I think is maybe a word that you used. And like, also um, it gives permission for people to um, it's like, it's not other people. It's like, yeah, but like not us. And it's like, no, yes, us like, yes, Jews can be trans as well. Um, And I also, I learned a lot about consent in this show and like, um, I really loved transparent a lot and was lucky to interview Joey and I got to tell them to their face. And that was like a dream. I saw that. I saw that you did. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. Any, any, like anything that I didn't bring up that you're like, I wish you would have talked about this or you thought about anything else that you want to make sure we talk about. I think I think we're good I don't know I really enjoyed this yeah I feel like we covered a lot of ground here we covered a lot of ground there's one ground we haven't covered and that's the lightning round and it's just like a quick uh silly questions uh the first couple of seasons the questions were very binary and people were lovingly calling me and saying your questions are too binary so these are all (laughs) (laughs) open-ended except one um and you'll see why um, so just as quick as you can, whatever comes to your mind. Um, if you could name your own crayon, what would you name it? My, my own crayon? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Beautiful. Uh, favorite time of day. Yeah. I love that. Um, 10 a.m. Okay. Favorite current queer <laughs> media representation. Ooh, um, uh, Adam Eli. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, a song that makes your heart sore. Oh man. Um, that makes sense. um I've been thinking about Yentl recently. Mm. So Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> Love it. Uh, man, we didn't talk about Yentl, but that'll be for part two. Um, your your favorite way to travel? Uh, train. Favorite quote? God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whenever it's like, go fast, I'm like, I, I, not, I have nothing. Um, favorite quote? Um Sorry, I can't answer. You're gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> That's fine. We can cut it. Um, all right. I'm a blank. No worries. You're not the first, and you won't be the last. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Bagels or donuts? Bagels. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna guess, but I didn't want to make assumptions. But that's the right. <laughs> um. So Emma, thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us and for adding such nuance and thought provoking um, 
analysis to these questions that I feel like we get, we talk about a lot, but this was, this was really great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so lovely. Yeah. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Hey everyone. It's your host, Dubs Weinblatt. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps. And we want to hear from you. We want to know your coming out story. Head on over to Thank You For Coming Out's Instagram page, at Thank You For Coming Out, and click the link in our bio. There's a form there where you can submit your coming out story, either anonymously or with your name. And you could have the chance to hear your story read out on the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. We're so happy that you're part of our community, and we want you to know that your story matters. Thank you for coming out.